In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Walter Storholt alongside the great team at Pathfinder Wealth Management, serving you in the Rockford area. Joining us today is retirement income planning specialist, Barbara Lane. Barbara is the co-author of two different books, Roadmap for a Stress-Free Retirement and Remarkable Retirement. And you can always find us online, listen to past episodes of the podcast, and subscribe at pathfinderwealth.com. That's pathfinderwealth.com. Barbara, thanks for taking some time out to join us today and looking forward to our conversation. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. It's one of our favorite kinds of podcasts where we get the chance to answer questions from listeners, where we open up the mailbag. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can always do that by going to pathfinderwealth.com once more. And our first question of the week is going to come to us from Oscar. Oscar says, I recently turned 50, which means I can start contributing more money to my 401k each year. My question is, should I do this or not? Absolutely, Oscar. Work on contributing as much as you can, up to the $24,500 that's allowed. And if you have a Roth 401k option, I would contribute to that. Now, you won't receive a tax deduction for the Roth, but that's a tax-free account. So the one thing that I do want to mention, though, is be careful if you have a company match, if you contribute to the Roth. Some companies won't match with money going to a Roth. Just check with your employer. So then what you could do is just contribute pre-tax in the 401k up to the match and then contribute the rest of your money to the Roth. But I always like to ask this question. Do you want to pay taxes on the seed or on the harvest? The Roth is the seed. You've paid taxes. You're done. It's a tax-free account now. A pre-tax 401k or an IRA is paying tax on the harvest. You're going to be paying tax at the highest account value when you're required to take distributions from that account. So when you retire, you're going to appreciate that you contributed to the Roth. It's a tax-free account. There are no required minimum distributions. If you do take withdrawals, they won't affect your Social Security taxation, won't affect your Medicare Part B premiums. So, Oscar, yes, save as much as you can, and I would say preferably in a Roth. That's a great question. Is there ever a time where you kind of it makes sense for somebody to do a mix? Does it always have to be an either-or Roth or non-Roth conversation? No, that's a good question. No, it can be both because you do receive a deduction for contributing to the pre-tax account in a 401k or an IRA. But the question is, do you need the deduction? Now, would it be more beneficial for you to just be done and pay the taxes now? Because what are you actually doing with that tax savings from the deduction? Most people aren't doing anything with it. It just becomes part of their spendable income. But to answer your question, you can actually do both. Sure, I'm just thinking from down the road, since we're in a historically low income tax bracket environment, we expect taxes to go up in the future. And that's when you're going to appreciate having a Roth account. Another great question on the mailbag. Thank you very much, Oscar, for that one. Let's hop over to Helene, who is kind of in this same ballpark with her question, a little bit different angle here. Helene says, is it okay to have several different IRAs or should I consolidate them? I have currently seven accounts. Oh, that's a lot. You know, I think when I hear that, I think, well, maybe she opened up early on when you could contribute to IRA accounts. First of all, you could put away $500 and then it was $2,000 a year. And it may be to where she opened up various IRA accounts in various places. And that wasn't necessary, but you could have done that. That could have been what happened, why she has so many. 
I would consolidate. And what happens when you have that many is you probably have some overlap in your investment selections with that money. So have them analyzed and consider one IRA account. And then you likely have better diversification with your money, less risk. And it's much easier when you begin your required minimum distributions, which you're required to take at 70 and a half with a traditional IRA account. However, like you just said, Walter, that may be an option too, depending on your tax bracket and your income. You may want to look at converting some of those traditional IRAs to tax-free Roth IRAs also. Yeah, it's one of those things where if it's not intentional, then yeah, consolidate because you're not certainly hurting anything by doing so. And if it was intentional because somebody thinks they're being more diversified, well, the amount of accounts isn't what diversifies you. It's what's in the accounts. Absolutely. It's based on the asset classes. How much to large, how much to small, how much to international, U.S., fixed income. Absolutely. All of those certainly important pieces of the puzzle. Again, if you'd like to submit a question, you can do that at pathfinderwealth.com. These are always fun episodes because we get to answer so many different types of questions, although the first three to kick us off this week, all kind of dabbling in this IRA and 401k world, as Nadine's question will show us here. Nadine says, I've heard that it's wise to roll over my 401k after leaving my job. That also, I guess, might be what Helene did to have seven accounts. Maybe she's had a lot of different jobs with rollover 401ks. Nadine says, after leaving my job. So that's always kind of been what I've planned to do. But that account has been doing really well for the last several months. So I'm hesitant to make any changes to it. Should I just leave it alone? Well, that's a good question, Nadine. Well, I'd have a couple questions too. And one is, are you retiring now? And two important questions are, what is your age and do you need income? So if you're retiring, look at your account value from a long-term perspective. In other words, what are your goals for this money? So I would have the account analyzed with your current holdings. And it may be that the account is doing very well right now. However, if you're under diversified, you won't like what you see on the downside when the market drops because less diversification equals more risk. And if you're retiring, it's crucial that you have the account set up for long-term goals. And I would focus on 30 years. Now, a word of caution, the reason I asked about your age is because if you're under age 59 and a half and you need access to the money now, there are ways to set up the account so you won't be penalized to satisfy your income needs. But just remember that within a qualified plan like a 401k or a 403b, you have limited investment options. Now, outside of that plan, you have the whole universe of investments. So instead of thinking right now, short term, think long term prudent diversification, rebalancing. Those are all important aspects of a retirement account that you're not getting inside of a 401k. Great points as always, Barbara. And another good question. Thank you, Nadine, for that one. Three more to go on today's episode as we hop over to a question here from Kirk. Kirk says, I hear all this talk about long-term investing and saving, but what about the short term? Is there anything better than sitting in cash? What would you suggest considering a one-year timeline and a five-year horizon? Well, those are good questions when it comes to investing. You think of investing and it's, you have to look at at least a 10-year time frame. Now, he was very specific in the one-year and five-year time frame, so I'll just answer those. A one-year timeline, if I look at the best CD rates out there, you might get about 2.5%. Well, not too bad for one year. Five years is still very short-term for investing because let's just say that the stock market is going well for four years and then in the fifth year it drops and that's when you need the money. You probably wouldn't be too happy about that. So even five years, you might be getting 3% on a CD rate right now. 
But otherwise, money market accounts, I know they're only paying about 1%, but they are completely liquid. Money market mutual funds, the same thing, they're liquid. And one-year and five-year timelines are very short. When you're looking at investing, you want to look at 10-plus years to be in the stock market. But the question I would have for you, Kirk, too, is this. Do you have any debt? Now, the interest rate on your debt is going to be much higher than the 1% you're going to get in anything liquid these days. So if you do have debt, I would certainly focus on paying down debt. But you're going to be subject to pretty much banking instruments if you want just one year and five year timelines. It's good to know. Yeah. If it's a one year, five year timeline, you can still invest, but you're going to be exposed to some extreme volatility potentials if you're trying to get more than what the bank has to offer. Right. Right. And even in a conservative portfolio, and I call a conservative mostly bonds, 25 percent stocks and maybe 75 percent bonds, you're still going to have a little bit of stock market volatility with that. Yeah, good to know as well. Good question, Kirk. You're right, though. There is a lot of talk about the long term, but the short term can be very tricky for a lot of folks, and it's worth a discussion. Thank you for bringing that up. Another one here from Valerie. It's a short and sweet question. It says, a friend of mine said I should investigate doing a self-directed IRA. I don't know what that is. Self-directed IRA? <laughs> well, it's a good question, Valerie. This just means that you set up the account, and it's an IRA is an individual retirement account. And you invest in a number of options and you control the investments. Whereas an employer-sponsored plan, there are restrictions. And of course, the employer is pretty much controlling it, even though that it's in your name, but it's within a qualified plan of a company. It's always a good idea to save in an IRA. Now, depending on your income and any contributions that you're giving to a company-sponsored plan, like a 401k or a 403b, will depend on whether you receive a tax deduction for contributing. You may want to consider starting a Roth IRA. That's a tax-free account after five years, and the income limits are much higher to contribute to a Roth. Yeah, it's a, uh, a really good thing to, I think, evaluate there is what's going to be the right investment for me. But it just seems to get tricky to me, Barbara, when you start. We've got Roth IRAs. We've got traditional IRAs. You've got 401k rollovers into an IRA. Now we've got these things called self-directed IRAs. And I feel like I'm probably just scratching the surface between all these different qualifying statements. Do <laughs> you know what's funny is that they are pretty much all are the same thing, Walter. An IRA <laughs> is still an individual retirement account. So self-directed, whatever you want to put in front of that, it's still an IRA account and it's a traditional IRA account or Roth. Well, you do have SEP IRAs for self-employed people and that, you know, along those lines. But for the most part, an IRA is a traditional IRA and a Roth, of course, is the tax-free side of an IRA. But it's just what the media chooses to call it, actually. Interesting. Very interesting. So yeah, really, it's more of a Roth versus traditional conversation. It doesn't have to get right. too much more complicated than that. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Good to know. All right. One more question here. This one comes to us from Gordon. And Gordon says, I really want to get into rental properties, but we have some student loans we still need to pay off. Do we need to do that before getting into the landlord game? Well, that's interesting combination there. I would say depending on how much student debt you have. But have a plan for paying off your student debt because for most people, that's going to take a while. A very important question is, is there other income or are you just looking at rental property? So I'd be very careful there. I wouldn't begin with being a landlord only without having some other source of income. The biggest thing I would think about when I think about becoming a landlord is a backup plan because you're going to have to have a plan for when you don't have renters because that's going to happen. So what is your plan for when that does happen? So depending on the money you have to buy properties plus pay your student loan is going to depend on your student loan debt, your income sources, and it's going to depend on how many properties. 
so interesting when you have you know these different moving parts in somebody's situation like this, Gordon, and you've got all these considerations, rental property, student loan. And I guess we don't know in this particular case here, Barbara, is it Gordon's student loan debt or is Gordon about to retire and maybe it's some uh, kid's student loan debt that he's kind of burdened with here? Could be either situation, I suppose. Yeah, it could be either, but student debt certainly is going to take a while. So I would say get started on student debt, but there's no reason you couldn't purchase rental properties. I would just make sure you have a backup plan. Yeah, that's a good point. Backup plans are always good, right? We need plan B, C, and D most of the time, if not more than that. (laughs) Always important. Well, to kind of put a, a cap on today's podcast, Barbara, these were some great questions kind of all over the map from rental properties and student debt to short term investing to IRA and 401k questions. Are these pretty representative of the kinds of questions you're answering every day there in the office in Rockford? Oh yeah, they are. We talk to so many people that are nearing retirement and the biggest issue today is tax savings. People aren't trusting the government and where taxes are going to be headed in the future. So the question is, can I do anything about this pre-tax account right now? Which is a great consideration because you have this sizable pre-tax 401k or IRA account, you retire and now you have to take withdrawals from that and you're going to be paying a lot of taxes in that. Can they get ahead of the tax game if taxes increase in the future? And there are things that people can do. So we can look at filling up tax brackets or people look at, okay, I'm okay with paying X amount of money per year towards getting rid of this traditional IRA to a Roth. There are a number of options that we look at, but I would say the greatest question is the tax savings question. But there's a lot of IRA questions when people come in. Yeah, and a lot of the times those two topics certainly are wrapped around one another. If you have any questions about your financial situation, you'd like to speak one-on-one with the team at Pathfinder Wealth Management, we encourage you to pick up the phone. Dial 815-399-9806. That's 815-399-9806. Or you can find the team online 24-7 at pathfinderwealth.com. Again, that's pathfinderwealth.com. That's where you can listen to past episodes of the podcast and subscribe and lots of other great information there as well. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the mailbag, well, again, pathfinderwealth.com, your place to go to submit those questions. We might feature it on a future show. Barbara, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. Thank you. We'll talk to you on the next one. That's Barbara Lane of Pathfinder Wealth Management. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time on The Retirement Pathfinder. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.